Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we return to our study of the book of Ephesians. This letter was written to explain to Gentile believers the incredible riches of their position in Christ and how to live accordingly. Today's lesson is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. This passage deals with the doctrine of election. It is understandable that many Christians struggle with this doctrine. Please listen to Pastor Jim and today's slice of the two-part message entitled, He Chose Us in Him, Part 1. The term free will, it's fabricated. It's not in the Bible. There's no such thing as someone with a totally free will. Because think about it. Before you were in Christ, you were a slave to sin. You had a master. You weren't free. Um, A much better term than free will is human responsibility. Um, The Bible says many times you were a slave to sin, but the Bible is also clear that you are responsible before God for every choice you make, for every action you take, for every thought that you think, and even for your inclinations. It's also clear in the Bible that God sovereignly chooses people for Himself. You have the sovereignty of God, His chosen, His choosing people. You have man's responsibility. How those two work together, that's the hard part to understand. So that's where I'm going to slow down here and get out your shovel. We're going to dig a little bit deep to try to help you understand this. But let me make a few comments to help you uh, begin to grapple with this. Number one, the Bible does not teach double predestination. In other words, uh, election to salvation and election to damnation. Never in the Bible does that doctrine appear specifically tied to God as if it says God chooses person A to go to heaven and in the same way He chooses person B to go to hell. The Bible doesn't say that. Now, I, I know all of those, I know all of the arguments for that. If you have 10 pairs of socks in the drawer and you choose out one, you rejected the other nine. Well, it doesn't mean you burn the rest of your socks. Okay, make a logical conclusion if you want to, but don't go beyond what Scripture actually says. So some people say, oh, God chose, game over, nothing you do matters. It's irrelevant what you do. We're just automatons in this world, and there's this cosmic game going on, and and, and we're just uh, pieces within the matrix. Did I get the right movie? I've never seen it. Um, Okay, Uh, that's what... That's what some people do with the doctrine of election. The Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible does clearly teach election. And 
it also teaches that every person has a will for which he or she is responsible. We must believe those two things. We, we, we want to resolve them, but maybe we can't. We believe them both. We accept them both. And we have to leave to God the fact that, you know, he's a little smarter than I am. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows all of these things. And he knows all the what-ifs. And he knows all the motivations. And he knows all the hidden things that we can't possibly see. Thirdly, I want you to understand that election is not taught in the Bible in isolation. Election is taught as well as a universal invitation to salvation. And very often, right in the same passage, the two will be side by side. But let me just have you consider a couple of things that Jesus said. We'll put them side by side here. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. People who hate the doctrine of election say, says right there, Nobody can come to him unless. So some people can't be saved. Does that verse say some people can't be saved? No. Draw conclusions, but never beyond what the Scripture says. Jesus also said this, Matthew eleven twenty seven and 28. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. But He didn't stop there. He said, come to me, you who are elect. He doesn't say that. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no exclusion whatsoever on the universal invitation to salvation. It is wide open. If you want to be King Jamesy, it's true. Whosoever will may come. Now, we'll pick that up in a moment. I want you to make it, make, pay, pay notice to one more comment about this. Please, especially in the setting of this discussion, don't get sucked into the trap of believing that it's okay for you to decide what is acceptable or unacceptable for God to do. You hear people say, well, the God I know, He wouldn't do that. Well, unless He said He wouldn't do that, don't you dare, okay? Don't you ever think that you have any right whatsoever to make a judgment about which doctrine you approve of and which one you don't. That's not yours to do. It is yours to know and understand everything that God has revealed because in that, He gives you everything you need for life and godliness. We have to understand it. We have to be uh, aware that when it comes to running the universe, when it comes to saving people, we can't comprehend everything. You know the famous two spiritual laws. I've told them to you many times. Number one, God is God. Number two, you're not. Okay? 
And if you could comprehend every single thing there is to know about God, you wouldn't need Him. You'd have to be Him. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. You are finite, mortal, and you're a mess. You are changeable. You are confusable. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Now, you probably know the famous verse that any preacher worth his salt has committed to memory for that time when somebody asks the question that you don't know the answer to. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Very helpful. Remember where this is written? Okay, this is, if this was Jeopardy, these would have been the category stupid answers. This is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was given just before Israel entered the promised land. It is the reiteration of the things from the covenant that God had made with Israel through uh, codified in the, in the Mosaic law. And Moses told to say this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Say, oh good, I don't have to know all this. No, it doesn't say you don't have to know all this. It says there are things that God knows that you, that you don't know, won't know, and can't know. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. God has given us His Word so that we can obey Him, believe in Him, trust in Him, and live for His glory. God is sovereign in saving people. You know, well then, if it's this way, says the disciples, then who can be saved? And what does Jesus say? With men, it's impossible. No one can save himself. But with God, all things are possible, and the all things in that Context specifically refers to somebody getting saved. God is sovereign in saving people. And all people are 100% completely, individually, personally responsible for their decisions. Now, I want to show you how tightly these two things are taught side by side in the New Testament without contradicting. Classic chapter on the doctrine of election is Romans chapter 9. I'll pluck out a couple of things from there. I commend it to your reading. Romans 9, I'll read 23 through 24. What if God, and this is, yes, and He did this. What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and make His power known. Now, why would God do that? Why would God use His power to execute His wrath? Well, because He's perfect. He's holy, and all things imperfect and unholy must be judged or God wouldn't be good. So, he's he's willing to pour out his wrath. What if he, though willing to to, to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known, what if he endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Notice that word prepared and hang on to it for a moment. And... He did so to make known the riches of His glory upon vessels of mercy, which He prepared beforehand for glory, even us, whom He also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.